Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Season 2, Episode 24 of the Daily Mission Podcast. Nate and Greg are back in studio. Nate, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. Feeling real good. I'm feeling pretty feeling good, too. Feeling good. Yeah, yeah, you're feeling ready to rock and roll, feeling, hey? Feeling better than Sunday, I'll tell you that for true. Yeah, I mean, the boys were dealing with a big time change, and, uh, you know, the vibes were kind of low. I mean, we're just getting back into the groove of things. Straight up illness. Yeah, it was, but I should mention that the pregame show was brought to you by Manscaped. Yes. We never recommend playing in the Bush League, Nate. We do not. Now, growing it out, you know, showcasing that, you know. Order your lawnmower 4.0 from, from Manscaped, I do apologize. <laughs> Use the code TDI at manscaped.com for 20% off free shipping you will not regret it and as you heard last episode folks you can use that thing anywhere on your body whoa face <laughs> under pouch yes you know anywhere so it's a versatile product so it's make a good sure product so go over to manscaped seriously you know i don't know what you're using nowadays but manscaped is is, is the best product on the market so so make sure you're heading over to manscaped.com and using that but uh but nate this episode, the whole first half, we've got guest Prakash Armitrage, tennis legend. I mean, this guy won the national championship uh, in, in, in U.S. tennis. He won a national title, was the MVP at USC in his rookie season. Not a big deal. Played on the ATP Tour. I mean, this guy is an unbelievable guy. He brought so much energy. Such a great interview. We're excited to bring that to you guys. For sure. Um, but uh, some other news, Nate. We're heading to Ottawa in yes. two weeks. We're yes. right back Quick on the road. Around. We're right back on the road, ladies around. and gentlemen. We are. Um, I guess some news, too. Uh, if you go sub to the YouTube. That's right. Um, what is the? I, I'm still trying to understand the entire thing. But if you go sub to our YouTube, yep. uh, you can win a chance. It'll be two tickets. You get to sit with us at the game, glass seats, and you get to meet an Ottawa Senators player after the game. So if you're listening to this right now and you're not subbed to the YouTube, you'd better get over there because who doesn't like a free hockey game? Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Like Nate, like Nate said, it's a big giveaway. Come watch the game with us in Ottawa in the lower bowl. Come meet a player after the game. It's going to be absolutely electric. So if you want to be involved in that draw, go sub to the YouTube. It's going to be electric. It's going to be sick. Um, Nate, continuing the pregame show of episode 24 of season two, a lot of NFL news have broken. I know a lot of uh, free agents have signed. A lot of mismatching. Tom Brady's coming back. That's crazy, man. Um, but we're going to save that for next episode because yeah. Prakash, you know, the the first the first half, I should say, of the episode is, is quite jam-packed. So we're going to get right into things here with Prakash. Let's get it. And we're super excited now to be joined by Tennis Channel head analyst, does a lot of TV work. I think he's in the, the, the movie scene a little bit as well. Uh, studio host, Prakash. Prakash, I'm a trash. Prakash, thank you for joining us today, man. We're really excited to talk tennis. How you doing? Jens, my pleasure. Listen, I love what you guys do. I love the energy, the vibes you guys bring. You know, I go all out too. So absolute pleasure to be here. Hey, listen, we're excited. So, so Prakash, Walk us through your tennis career. I know, you know, your your ATP tour is kind of in the rear view and you're now in the media scene, but talk a little bit about your, your journey in tennis and, and kind of how you uh, came into the media scene. Absolutely. I'll, I'll give you the quick rundown. I mean, look, I grew up around the game. You know, Pops was, you know, uh, one of the greats. You know, he was, he was top 10 in the world. He, you know, was historic figure for India, putting India on the map, especially on the on the sports side of things. So, I grew up around it, loving it. You know, I got baby pictures with Boris Becker, Jimmy Connors, all these legends carrying me. So it was a natural love that I developed for the game. Um, and that love still stands today. You know, by the time I was 18, I had won Kalamazoo, which is the biggest junior national tournament in the U.S. I was number one in the country, got a wild card into the U.S. Open. I was 18-year-old, um, played at USC, led them to an NCAA title as a freshman. I was the most valuable Damn. player. Turned pro after that. That was an exciting time for football at USC, by the way. Early, early 2000s. Super exciting time. Um, anyway, uh, left off, played on the tour for about 10 years. 
uh, got to fulfill a dream in uh, in that I represented India in the Davis Cup. Uh, I became India's number one 30 years after my father was India's number one, which which made me feel like a part of history. Um, had a cool couple moments on the ATP tour. You know, I um, uh, got to play at, you know, the Grand Slams, obviously, Wimbledon and so forth, made the finals of the prestigious Hall of Fame tournament in Newport in singles, made a, made another doubles final along the way, and, um, and and built some pretty special relationships. So that was that was my, my playing days. Had a few too many injuries, you know, had a left, left a wrist surgery, had a pretty comprehensive right shoulder surgery that eventually took me out of the game after about 10 years. And um, then I kind of sunk myself actually into the entertainment side of things because it was always film and tennis growing up. So sunk myself into the acting side, trained exactly how I do in tennis. And while I'm on that path, uh, sort of a random opportunity came up on, on the tennis side of things. And I did a little bit of commentary there. Uh, I covered Wimbledon one year for a big network out of India, one out of the Middle East. Then randomly, I got a small opportunity on the tennis channel for a little 60-second clip. It went well. So I had another little opening, then another little opening. And then uh, I, I got to mention this, uh, uh, Bob Wiley, who's the uh, president of production at Tennis Channel and uh, our beautiful executive producer, Ross Schneiderman, um, they, they both decided to give me uh, like a shot that had never existed on Tennis Channel. They were going to send someone to the ATP World Finals in 2018. Now, these are the top eight guys in the world, right? Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, just, you know, the top eight. And they're like, listen, we're going to send you. We're going to send a whole camera crew with you. Just do your thing. No, no, we hadn't, they hadn't done this before. So I said, I'm going to go all out. So I, luckily I knew these guys because I played with them. So got every interview I could, did every story I could and so forth. And like a month later, uh, uh, I just, I can't say how thankful I am to both of them. And then of course the, the uh, head man in charge, CEO, Ken Solomon, I, I got a mail saying, listen, we'd like to create this role for you and have you travel to all these tournaments. Then it, uh, it kind of it snowballed from there and then Prakash worldwide like became a thing. That's, That's amazing. Yeah, that is cool. It's it's super cool how it was just it wasn't a thing before you got to do it, so you were kind of the starter too. The pioneer. Yeah. You know, God bless them, man. I love people who take chances, who take risks. I'm the exact same way. And it's it's been able to actually bridge a little bit of my two worlds because, you know, I'm so uh, heavily trained and sort of put a lot of time in on the acting side and the storytelling side um, of, of film, TV. I'm able to sort of bring that storytelling aspect to the sport. So even when talking with the players, look, I, I may not have you know been top 10 or whatever it is, but I know what it is to walk in their shoes. So I like to bring that perspective whenever we're talking. Because look, in my opinion, every single person on the tennis circuit, men, women, I don't care what your ranking is, has a beautiful story. And so much of it has been focused on the big three names, who, by the way, are just, they're all goats, you know? But there's so much more to mine from our beautiful sport I, I love that fact that we're spending more time on that too. Cool. Sweet. Um, I love how you brought up the Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. They're all goats. Um, Cause that was one of our questions. So I guess uh, that one's out the window, but I had a question about the, the courts. So obviously you got the hard, you got the clay, you got the grass. What yeah. can you explain to some of the listeners and even myself too, what are kind of some of the differences between those courts? And I'm curious to know too, did you have one you preferred more so than the others? Hundred percent, hundred percent. So I'll give you a little history too. So um, let's go back a few generations. The courts were very different, right? Hard courts are are, are the ones that that you guys know that you're right. that you're used to. They can play at different speeds. You can have really slow hard courts. You can have quick hard courts, medium pace, whatever. Then you have rebound ace, which is what they play in Australia. It's a bit higher bouncing, right? It's a little bit stickier to move on, right? Then you have clay, which is generally the slowest, right? It takes a lot of pace off of the ball. You have a lot more time to hit. That's why baseliners have always done better over there. Then you have grass, which is traditionally faster. So you see the Pete Sampras is winning seven Wimbledons uh, in a row. The servant volleyers, Boris Becker, doing well there. It travels through the ball quick, so you don't want to let the ball bounce. Hence, the servant volley, you catch the ball in the air. Now, the game has changed so much the courts are a lot more similar. They've slowed the grass down by using a different seed. Um, all of the courts are a little bit more of the same pace. So you see a lot of players having more success on 
the surfaces consistently, as opposed to in the 90s where it was you were a grass quarter or you were a clay quarter or you might be an all quarter. There were a lot more contrasting styles, which, by the way, I loved. I loved watching the servant volleyer versus the baseliner. Now players are playing a lot more similar because of the changes. And personally, I used to love grass because I grew up servant volleying. That was the game that I loved. I thought it was exciting to play. So even Davis Cup, when I played for India, all of our home matches, we would put on low bouncing grass courts to give us the to give us the advantage. advantage. Cool. No, that's amazing. Um, you know, here in Canada and especially, you know, rural Atlanta, Canada, we're just accustomed to the hard courts and I'm not sure if they're hard or yeah. fast. The sports just hard in general. So, um, but uh, AT- ATP tour and we'll talk WTA tour. Uh, they're in, um, gosh, so it's the Indian Wells uh, tournament this week in California. So did you plan the event, Prakash? Can you tell us a little bit about what the event uh you know, it's like in California and I understand that it's a thousand point tournament. So there's a point ranking that's delegated to the event. So I'm assuming that's a tier two to the majors. So these tournaments, the Miami open in a few weeks and the Indian Wells, they're fairly big tournaments for the players on the tours. They're, they're monster tournaments. And these are actually the ones that, uh, that I go to. So I'll leave in a couple of days from Miami now. And we have like a whole tennis channel, a beautiful setup. We always have the best view in real estate, uh, uh, at all these events. Yeah. The one thousands are, sort of the core, right? Because there are there are a lot more of them than the Grand Slams, and you get a 1,000 points for winning them. Now, all of these points are very weighted towards the end of the tournament. So, you know, it, it's, it's a 1,000 to win. It's a little bit less, but it's all weighted towards the end. So doing well here, I mean, if you win a 250, that's 250 points. Imagine you have to win four of those tournaments to equate winning one Masters event, you know? So these are very important for all the players to get their ranking up, higher ranking you get, obviously the more opportunities you get at the bigger events. Indian Wells, man, it's such a special event. Now look, I grew up playing in Southern California, right? Which is a a tennis hub of like real good competition. Uh, Lindsay Davenport did, Pete Sampras did, and Indian Wells was like the tournament because it's a two hour drive. You got to go as a kid, see all these great players. The beautiful thing with the setup there and, and lots of credit to uh, Larry Ellison, who just came in and just sunk all types of money into this place, through a Nobu in the stadium, through all sorts of types in there. It's it's very fan-friendly. You know, you can come with your family and you can get right up to the court. So it's your chance to see, you know, Felix and Dennis, like literally like a few feet away, which you don't really get to see at a lot of the other events. And uh, there's lots to do there. It's a, It's one of the ones that the players really get excited to come out for. Cool. No, so, I mean, have you, you, I've obviously you've been following fairly closely, Prakash. I mean, I know we're kind of, you know, we're into the quarters on the women's side and we're into the, the round of 32 in the men's. Are you seeing, I, there's been some big upsets too on both sides of the draw. Um, is there anybody you're kind of keen in on um, that, uh, that you think might, uh, that might take the title? Um, you know, I like to look at the, a look at the ones who aren't necessarily the outmost favorites. But the ones who, you know, have had some stuff boiling for a little while and they're ready to, like, explode at a big event. And, look, she had a phenomenal year last year, but Paula Badosa on the women's side, man, I, I think she's uh, she's just – she's a true champion in the waiting. You know, I, I really think she could blow up, win, win one of these, win um, possibly – I mean, she won a 1,000 last year, but, you know, really come on strong, maybe maybe win a grand slam. And, uh, and Maria Sakari, too, from Greece – um, you know, one of the one of the fittest uh, athletes you'll see out there puts in a lot of work in the gym, but a beautiful attitude, real fighter. And, um, you know, I, I, she just cracked the top 10 towards the end of last year. And it was a big moment for her and for her country. I think she's primed for a, a big breakout at one of these events. Also, um, love both of them on the women's side and on the men's side. Look, it, it's it's all about the the American men right now. I mean, you got four still in there. You got John Isner, Taylor Fritz. Um, uh, Riley Opelka, and the one everyone's talking about, Jensen Brooksby, who just took out Stefanos Tsitsipas in a spectacular match. And, man, this guy, you want to talk about competitor. He just, he doesn't care. He's going to go out there, make your life a living hell, make you work for every point. Love watching this guy compete. So um, it would be great to see an American come out and maybe win one of these things, you know, because it's been a little bit of time now since, I mean, look, Isner won Miami um, a few years back, but other than that, it's it's been a minute. So uh, I think uh, all the American eyes definitely um, are are on those four right now. 
Cool. Well, we'll be live betting the two women that you mentioned uh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So get some, get some good odds on them. I'll, I'll bet. Dude. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Another guy, the Italian, is a Berrettini. I mean, I know he's kind of uh, still in, and and I know he's got a you know yeah he's got the big serve, and and I know he's he's been competitive in some majors uh, recently. So he's a guy that I've kind of been yeah. eyeing through uh, through the draw, and he's experienced some success, uh, Prakash. But uh, but talk about how the sports evolved into the 21st century. We look through the big four, and um, you know hockey specifically in Canada, it's the physicality of things have has kind of you know left the game, and it's more of a highly skilled, fast paced. You know, have you seen major changes in tennis? You know, how the game's played, you know, maybe how the athletes take care of themselves. Has there been some major changes, you know, kind of coming into the 21st century into in the tennis game? Yeah, 1,000%. Um, so I played from uh, 2002, three to 2013 on the tour. Uh, during my career, I think is where we saw drastic changes. You know, when I came on, you could still serve in volley. Uh, uh, a lot of players use natural gut. The technology changed a lot. You know, they, they started using different string. The game started evolving more towards really the baseline game. Now, all of a sudden, 20 years later, you're seeing a little bit of a shift. You are seeing players come to the net a little bit more. But on the professional side of things, guys, before you could, I mean, let's go back to the 70s. Guys literally focused on tennis when they were on the tennis court. After that, it was a wild you know, I can't even use the word, just a complete free-for-all, you know, <laughs> now. And then it gradually changed over time. You know, Martina Navratilova changed things a bit, brought fitness into the fray. You know, uh, uh, Jim Courier took it to another level. Um, now, everyone is so focused on every single aspect of every single minute of every single day, what nutrition they're putting into their body, the team that surrounds them, the recovery, the sleep, the this, the that. And look, you have to because it's become such a big business, you know, sport, so much money involved, so many things involved. So on the professional side, it's definitely changed. Um, but at the crux of it, it's still problem solving and and one against one, which is my favorite thing about the sport. Love it. No, absolutely. I mean, we see that across the board. I mean, just health and fitness. I mean, to stay competitive in your respective professions, you have to just be so committed to fitness and health and staying at the top of your game. Um, yeah, I just wanted to touch back on uh, when you brought up earlier the GOATs, uh, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic. Um, yeah. I'm curious, who, who do you think is out of the three of them the most impactful player maybe for the sport? Uh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. What do you What do you mean impactful? Uh, g- give me your definition of what you think that means. Uh, we'll say maybe like just maybe grown. We'll say grown the sport of tennis the most. Growing the game. Yeah, I think you know in that in that aspect. It's probably a tough one, honestly, on the spot. No, well, uh, I, I like actually the way you're asking the question because when people say who's the greatest of all time, greatness, the three of us might have three different definitions of greatness. Mm-hmm. And I will be giving you my opinion. If I listed you my top three inspirational people, these are the greatest to me. But numerically, there may be more people that have won things. But this is my definition, right? So when you give me that specific definition, I'm going to go with Roger Federer between the three. Because Roger was the first GOAT to come out, right? So when he came, the way – see, a lot of people don't understand this too. Roger's prime prime was before Nadal and Djokovic were at their prime. He was beating people like Leighton Hewitt, who were uh, you know, at the top of the game during his prime. He was giving them bagels in the finals of Grand Slams. Like, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's bananas. Wild. That's yeah. bananas, you know? And he was dominating to a point where it was just, it was silly. Now, what you don't realize is he's made his prime and his, his, his downfall of coming down from the prime last longer than any individual I've ever seen. You know, normally you have your prime, then you kind of retire or you play a year and then you retire kind of thing. He's, while he's been falling down, he's been competing with Nadal and Djokovic in their prime. You know, that's astounding. But when he first came on those, those sort of the mid to late 2000s, he, he transcended the sport. He 100% did. You know, Nadal and Djokovic were playing catch up this whole time. Now, look, Nadal, Djokovic, we're not sure. It's likely that, you know, they will certainly finish with more than Roger. And we're not sure who will finish with the most number of grand slams. But by your definition there, I'm going with Roger. 
I, I absolutely like it. love it. I mean, we'll talk about Tiger. We did kind of before the interview, Prakash. I mean, he may not have the most wins. He's got, I mean, but in terms of impact on the game and growing the sport, I mean, he's truly been the most impactful. But let's flip things. Let's flip the switch to the women's side. I know you're close with the with the Williams sisters, and I mean, I don't know if there's a duo that's had a more impactful uh, footprint on on the women's side of the games. I mean, we look at Serena, and she's got 23 Grand Slam titles, uh, and I think uh, Venus has seven, but. Just, in, you know, talk a little bit about their greatness and your relationship with them and, and you know, how meaningful they've been to the game of tennis. Um, gosh, I mean, we, 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 I mean, how much time do we have? <laughs> we have the rest of the day? We have the rest of the day over here? That's right. Um, you'd, listen, you'd be hard-pressed for me to, you know, find two individuals that have impacted the sport of tennis, not women's tennis, more than, than those two. Um, I'm like, you know, just unbelievably blessed and lucky to have spent a lot of time with them, become close with them. And, and not just them, uh, their whole family. Um, they're, you know, I, I preach my whole, you know, what's your code philosophy on, uh, on, on Instagram, which is what I use when I go and speak to young athletes at colleges and so forth. And just to give you a short little insight on that, it's basically, you know, I feel like everyone needs their, their code, right? And their code is this, these overarching set of principles and beliefs that you believe in so emphatically they kind of trickle down and influence every decision you make on a daily basis. And after studying the greats, I really believe their code is so strong. That's why they're able to pull more out of them than the average person. And a lot of that came from spending so much time with them, you know, kind of figuring out the way they function and what really makes them tick and what moves them. I'm like, Oh man, that's what they have inside them when they're at six all in the third or at a difficult moment in life. That's so beautiful and that's so powerful. That's that's one of the you know I mean it's been a lot, but that's one of the main things that I've taken away from them and and their strength. But you know people like Serena Venus, I you know they I, I don't even look at them as like sportsmen. You know I really look at them in the in the categories of uh, uh, Muhammad Ali and these kind of people who you know I I you know put in the level of greatness because you know of what they mean. You know, I think um, the best way to describe it is, you know, I'm a big you know, movie guy. I'm, I'm in that world also. And in the first Batman movie, Christian Bale's Batman, uh, Batman Begins, he says, you know, about Batman, it needs to uh, it needs to be something more, you know, like he needs to be a symbol of something. And I think when you transcend achievements and you all of a sudden become a symbol and when people can look at that symbol, they, they want to give more of themselves and become better and do more others and and be more that's special that's greatness and that's how i see those two for sure um just when you bring up symbols too do you think there's any who do you think are the next great ones coming in for women's tennis like obviously we saw layla fernandez and emma radakanu i can't say that last name if i got that right that's a miracle radakanu okay okay i almost had it i'll take it i'll take it do you think those two could be or even emma like up for the next great one um i don't uh, you know what I'm not going to put that on there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that because it's, it's too much. And, and I don't think they're ready for that moniker, you know, Emma Raducanu, after she won that U S open, she signed every single gigantic, stupid, silly, huge endorsement deal. She, uh, you know, that there was, I mean, she was with British Airways. She's with Evian. She's with um, Tiffany's. I think she's, <laughs> she's just, she's like the most, most wanted woman out there. And listen, after you win the U.S. Open, you all of a sudden got a target on your back. And when you were trying to, number one, find your best game and still improve because she's still young. Number two, find yourself in this world as a human who is in their early 20s, for God's sake, where, you know, none of us really have a good grapple on what's going on. You're trying to do both those things. And now you're dealing with the pressure of all these endorsements and everyone saying you're the next best thing. You have to win. And you're going out on court with that every single time. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. So, you know, I think there's a lot of work ahead of her. She's obviously off to a brilliant start. But look, I've said this about the women's tour. Uh, for me, it's one of the most exciting times out there because there is no clear, you know, they're going to win everything. There's that a ton of parody. I, yeah. There's a ton of parody, and that makes it exciting for me. Absolutely. I want to not know who's going to win. Exactly. I want to see a surprise. You know, I want to see Barbara Craig of a come out and win the singles and doubles at the French last year. You know, such a, such a charming person. So sweet. I love when people like that win and do well. 
it's great for the game. I, I want to see more of those stories because there are so many uh, great stories out there. Let some of those come to the forefront, you know, and I think that's that's a time period we're in. I love it. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough to kind of circle, you know, who's going to be the next great one. And it's challenging to compare too. to, I mean, obviously the Williams sisters and, and the three men who have dominated the sport, you know, it's hard to say, but, you know, just kind of as history you know goes on, I'm, I'm assuming that someone will, will come out and be the next dominant, you know, tennis player on each side of, of, of the men's and women's. And it's going to be exciting to see. And, and we're hoping it's Leilani Fernandez, <laughs> obviously selfishly here in Canada, but, but we'll see. I know, uh, what are your thoughts on Leilani? What do you think her ceiling is? Uh, do you see the you know you know a multiple major champion when you watch Layla? I'll give you my opinion on Layla, but if it's all right, I'd like to give you my opinion on Canadian tennis too. Absolutely, sure. well, yeah, absolutely. we're going to get into it. So absolutely, I mean Felix, Dennis, uh, Bianca with the U.S. Open. I mean, it's probably the best that the landscape's been. Talk, Never. take the floor and 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 pump the tires. Hopefully. <laughs> guys, guys, you, 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 you may as well be about to just call me Canadian. Love, okay, let's go. Okay, I mean, I mean, I should, I should send you some of my my sound bites from other interviews where I talk about these these uh, these players that you're talking about. First, let's start with Layla. Layla won my heart after she gave her speech at the U.S. Open last year. To have the uh, the the thought process and the awareness to after losing a Grand Slam final, which might be the best and worst moment of her life, to really figure out what the moment is really about and actually talk about 9-11, which I can't even imagine how young she was for that. It, it completely won me over. I met her a, a little bit later at Indian Wells in September because it was held at a later time. It, she's, she's a light. She's like a really bright light. I love her spirit. And I think that's going to hold her in really good stead as long as she keeps staying grounded to her family and that and what her code, you know, what motivates her. Um, I think it's going to be a beautiful thing. And let me tell you something, man. She's a fighter. She's got a lot of grit. You know, when things get tough, that's when she fights. She took out some unbelievable players to get in the final of the U.S. Open last year. So big fan of hers. Hoping she can continue to do beautiful things. Um, just picked up a title in Mexico, too, on a bit of a on a bit of a run, which is great. On the men's side. Uh, I'm I'm like uh, you know I, I talked to Dennis and I talked to Felix. Um, I, I can't explain how how big fans I am of theirs. You know Felix is Felix is like you know one of the classiest sportsmen I've seen in all of sport. And for me on a personal level, I will go buy a ticket to watch him play. Like it's it's very exciting. He's he's one of those tall strapping guys who he reminds me of the players of the eighties and nineties. You know, he's got beautiful flowing strokes, loves to come to the net, all court game. And uh, and this is how he won me over. Last year on Indian Wells, he threw up a reel. And it was him playing, you know, palm trees in the background, blowing backhands, forehands. And in the, in the music for the reel, he threw up Pox, California Love, right? Now, look, I'm born and raised in L.A., so, you know, it's, it's Pox, <laughs> Kobe, and that's about it for me. So I got a hold of him in Paris because he came to do an interview with me on, the, uh, on our Tennis Channel stage. And I asked him, I said, Felix, tell me about this, man. You know, you threw up, you know, Pac, you know, this reel was beautiful, man. Tell me about it. like, you know, I came to the West Coast. You know, I had to pay respect. I said, boy, <laughs> you're my guy. I'm your guy. for life. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm your for life, bro. I love it. So Felix, Felix, I can't say enough. And, and, and Dennis, look, he's one of the most electrifying guys on the tour. You know, John McEnroe said he reminds him of himself. That's how talented he is. Is that because okay? they both were lighting That's up refs or? <laughs> I mean, Dennis has had his I mean, moments. He's calmed, yeah, yeah. he's calmed it down a for little sure, bit. For sure. But he, he's great. I also like the fact that he's playing doubles. He's playing doubles with Rohan Bopana, Indian guy who I've played Davis Cup with, who's been a good influence on him. His new coach is Jamie Delgado worked with Andy Murray to a few Grand Slam champions, so uh, championships. So he's bringing the right knowledge. Dennis got beautiful things in the future. No doubt he can be winning Grand Slams. And BB, look, uh, uh, for a while she was my favorite player. Uh, she hasn't been because she hasn't been on the tour playing because uh, poor girl's been hurt. But she's the most exciting player for me on the entire WTA tour. Let me tell you why. She's got an all-court game. She attacks the net. Uh, when she won that U.S. Open and uh, Indian Wells at that young age, I think she was 19, she, it, it was tennis we hadn't seen before. And the grit and the belief. I interviewed her in Toronto, and she had won three-setter after three-setter after three-setter. The same venue which she went to as a kid, always wanting to play at. She wins that tournament. She's the kind of player, and and don't quote me wrong on this. So let it come out right. She like 
she she loves the taste of blood in her mouth you know like when it gets tough that's when she gets tougher and that quality i love more than anything in a player so you know uh, what can i say i gave you my rundown on all the canadian players <laughs> I, I might as well be canadian you uh, know? listen you, well we're gonna give you the honorary canadian badge for that that was a, that was <laughs> yeah, amazing for seriously so are you gonna be up here in canada for the uh for the rogers cup Absolutely. Look, I've been there in, uh, well, 2020, there was, there was no tennis, but 19 and 21, I was there and it alternates, right? So 19, it was a women's, yep. then it was a men's last year. So I'll be in Toronto again there. This year. It'll be a women's event, I believe. Well, we're meeting up and we're going to go for some golf. You can kind of, that's, that's locked in. Yeah, Prakash, that's, that's, that's non-negotiable. We're playing some <laughs> golf in Toronto and we're coming and we're hanging out for a day because this has been amazing, man. We thank you for coming on and talking tennis. Seriously. My pleasure, man. Look, I'm down for the golf, but look, you know me. I'm strict on my macros and my diet, but my cheat meals are legendary. So if you can throw in a great burger spot with the golf, you got me. Done deal. We'll, we'll, we'll set it up. Lock it in, Prakash. Listen, we'll have you on. Hopefully, we can maybe line you up for, for the few weeks leading up to Wimbledon or one of the majors. We'll talk some betting. We'll talk some of your favorites, and, and we'll keep on plugging, man. We love what you do. We love your energy, and, and, uh, and we really appreciate you coming on. Yo, I, I appreciate the love, guys. Listen, love what you bring, so keep at it. Look forward to listening. Thank you, man. Awesome. What a legend, Nate. Yeah, guy's an absolute beaut. Oh, I cannot wait to go golf with him, talk tennis, watch the Rogers Cup in Toronto later on this summer. So, uh, you know, we thank Prakash for coming on, talking tennis. Yeah. Uh, definitely great insight, man. It, it's for a sport sure. that I am always aware of, and I understand what's going on. I mean, it's been really easy to follow, I would say, for the for our lifetime, just due to the fact that it's been dominated by... There's been a bit more parity on the women's side, but in the men's yeah. game, I mean, it's been it's been Federer and Nadal and Djokovic, but it's, it's fun to, to kind of talk about it and see where it's at now. Well, I thought it was really interesting, too, when he was talking about how Federer was just kind of dominating these guys that we also think of, like, potential... Like the goat, yes. When he's out of his prime, no. I think exactly. that really put into perspective for yeah. me how good Federer was, for sure, so. and how influential, how yeah, how impactful exactly. uh, Roger Federer was fires me up to watch tennis. Like I want to get a game on right now. Yeah, no, exactly. But the Indian Wells is on now. We got the Miami Open just around the corner. So thousand point um, tournaments, and, yep. and they're huge for the uh, for the world rankings, and and like you said, bolstering your position in the draw for the uh, for the major Grand Slam tournaments. But, Nate, we're moving into quarter three. No halftime show, unfortunately, today, just due to time constraints. Next week's halftime show, I should say Monday's halftime show, is going to be where is the school located? And I tell you, if anybody gets one, it's going to be. We're, we're basically going back. If there's anybody who follows on TikTok, which I'm sure, obviously, there's a few of you, um, we, we put one out today, and uh, it's tough being from Canada. We're trying sure. to guess where these uh, American schools are. So, well, even like when we're trying to navigate the NCAA and which divisions they play in, it's just so challenging. So, when you bring out a school like Wright State or St. Peter's, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just a, well, it's a complete even some of, guess. even some of the big names, man. Like yeah, I had Baylor, Duke, like Baylor's Baylor. there every year. Like Duke, yeah. I even double, I double took it. Yeah, yeah. I was Clemson, like, is it North Carolina or South Carolina? For sure. But just as Canadians, like you said, Nate, we uh, we're not often as educated in, in where they are located geographically, it, and it'd be so easy if being from the states because, like, if you told me a school in Canada. Yeah, you're getting it. No, exactly. You know, so exactly. But anyway, uh, but Nate, quarter three, we got a little MLB chatter. We're gonna talk a little March Madness. Yeah, we're gonna go quarter four. We're gonna give a little debrief of the NHL NBA through the past week. We'll yep. Give a little fire. I can give a little uh, dog water of the week in the post game show. But starting off in the MLB, I don't know if I've I've ever been so excited for a Toronto Blue Jays season in my lifetime. And I, I'm Dude. a Red Sox fan, but I also have an allegiance to Toronto Blue Jays because I'm Canadian. Yep. And and they're the one Canadian team. That I've kind of, kind of hung on to. They're the one I like the most. Same for sure. Exactly. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know. It's going to be awesome. I mean, obviously, Matty Chapman. Yes. Getting traded to the Blue Jays. Everyone's probably aware of the news by now. It was yesterday. Yeah. Well, two days ago now. Once this gets out, but Matty Chapman is a beauty, dude. I got his Oakland jersey. I might have to try and do some sort of like halfway swap. Yeah. I mean, we think about the, the Blue Jays pitching. So they brought in, they signed Gosman uh, long-term. Yep. Uh, they still have uh, Hung Jae Ryu. They still have uh, Manoa, who who played extremely well last season. Who's the guy coming in from Seattle? Kikuchi. Kikuchi. And, and, and Barrios. So that's yeah. that that five-man rotation looks so solid. Yeah, like just chuck Robbie Ray to the wind, bud. It's over. Yeah, it doesn't matter, man. No, it doesn't it, matter. It doesn't matter about, uh, you know, his departure. But, no, like you said, Nate, I mean, what there's just so much excitement around the Blue Jays this season. 
And uh, and yeah, bringing in Chapman, and we think about their offense. I mean, there's no issues there. I mean, you dude, got their Vladdy infield Bichette is disgusting. It is. It really is. And I mean, there is a lot of rumors too about Jose Ramirez coming in from the Cleveland Indians. And if they could get that done, I mean, Man, it's just going to be unfair. Just go for it. For well, sure. You, you say it's going to be are. unfair, they, but yeah, I, I know that's are. what I mean. Yeah. Like, let's let's do it. Get it done. Like yeah. you say it's unfair, but then you just start looking, and you know, know. you get like the Dodgers the, just signed Freddie Freeman, exactly. And yeah. then you got the Yanks. Um, yeah. Who did the Yankees just get? Well, they signed Alex Rizzo. Uh, yeah, and uh, and who else did they resign? Oh, they just got Josh Donaldson in the that's trade. Right, that's that's right. what it was. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, the bringer of rain. And you just got to feel like he's going to go off against the Jays for sure. And the Red Sox made it to the semifinals last year. Exactly. The, uh, the conference, uh, the the American League conference series, the ALCS. But I mean, they'll probably be good as well. I mean, they, and, and the Rays were a fantastic team as well. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the AL East is Division's so competitive, ridiculous. And uh, and the Blue Jays have decided like let's push let's push the chips into the middle of the table here. And I love it. Like I, I really love seeing it, and and it's going to be such a great it, season, man. Just a touch too. Like you can't forget about the Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> what an absolute what write a off! Joke. <laughs> Those guys suck. Oh, they're brutal. Oh um, shoot. Nate, just kind of keeping it, keeping in the keeping it in the MLB. We've got uh, Tatis Jr. Tough. He is going to be out for the foreseeable future, hurting his wrist, and He's getting uh, surgery. No, getting surgery done. You know, after tearing his ACL last year, it's it's tough to see, man. It really it is. is because he didn't do it, you know, while training for baseball. I guess he was on some motor vehicle, whether it was an ATV or motorcycle. There isn't really too much transparency in terms of how that injury went down. But uh, but uh, Tatis Jr. out long term for San Diego, which is devastating because he might be the most electric player in baseball. Yeah, I mean, the guy is what twenty three years old. And he's just an absolute, like, he, the guy gets thrown on the cover of the show, too. You know, like, 22. It's like, yeah. could you imagine being 22 years old just running the MLB? It's Let alone, like, yeah. it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, how long do you think this, like, how long was the time frame? Uh, like, you think wrist surgery, you think swinging the bat. Like, I'm thinking, like, what, like, three, three months, months probably yeah, tops? Yeah, 12 weeks. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard to say. Where do you, Especially where do you, because... He's sorry, coming ahead. off. Sorry, he's coming off that that uh, that like almost full year injury, right. and then rolled it into yeah. the wrist injury. So we're talking about a year and a half, season and a half, not playing baseball. I mean, at least he got like for him and his uh, like he at least he got the ticket already. No, exactly. Like, oh, that's so, just I mean, it. He's, yeah. like, he's like, you know, I'll take yeah. a couple months. Yeah, like, I got another three hundred fifty million rolling into the bank on July first. So I'll be all right. Rolling in Benjamins wherever he wants. No, you're right, Nate. But uh, we got the Colorado Rockies signing Chris Bryant to a seven year deal, hundred eighty two million dollars. We got Zach Greinke heading back to Kansas City yep. on a one year deal. We got the Cubs signing a Japanese outfielder, uh, Seiya Suzuki, five years at eighty five million dollars. So there's lots of signings coming out in the MLB. You know, we're still a couple weeks away from opening day. Uh, preseason's on its way, but Nate, uh, we're back, man. It's going to be exciting. And it's going to be, like we said last episode, it's going to be headlining a quarter every episode. We're going to be dialed into the MLB. Betting advice, everything, DFS, you name it. So we're excited for it, man. Yeah, just to touch, too. We got Doolittle going back to the Nats. That's right. Old Doolittle. Yeah. My guy. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, but uh, I honestly, I just keep refreshing, just waiting to see where Trevor Story's going to go. Yeah. I'm waiting for it. For sure. Uh, and I hope it's the Jays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, no I was shot, hoping the Red Sox, but Bogarts kind of came out and said that he wants to stay at the shortstop position. Yeah. So maybe Story will come and play second. But Bichette's shorty, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So they're but not, he's not. He's yeah. not amazing. Like he, if you bumped Bichette the second and brought in Story. Oh my god, dude! I don't smokes. think you'd get a ball through the infield. Oh man, on the ground, It'd be absolutely insane. But um, anyway. but uh, continuing in quarter. Three, Nate. We've got a little March Madness to talk about. To talk about, and we have Michigan upsetting Colorado State early on in the bracket. I mean, I think we were both on Michigan. It wasn't. Uh, yeah, we were. You know, it wasn't a huge upset. I actually think it just um, seemed like an odd eleven seed to me, big time. And I think Michigan was favored in the game. Um, uh, yes, they I, were favored by one. They may have been. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I was going to say. Seed. I know Memphis was coming in at minus three and a half. Yeah, yeah. So as favorite, we've had so. our brackets filled out, Nate, and as we've navigated through. The top 64 teams in the March Madness this year. Who are some of the guys you're looking for? Who are, who are some upsets you've picked? And who's your winner? Uh, my winner's Villanova. Uh, which is so which is amazing. For yeah. anybody in the DI pool, I'm the only one with it. 
Yeah. So I'm go. I'm trying to go back to back this year. So we'll see what happens. But okay. Who are you taking? I got Arizona, and the reason I took Arizona is because my guy Rob Gronkowski's school. Yeah. And they're a one seed. I kind of fall in love with the one seed. I just get. I like Arizona's logo as well. Yeah. The, the, it's kind of reminds me of Acadia. Arizona's just sick. Yeah, it is. It is. So uh, I'm on Arizona. I know a lot of people are, but uh, I was also all over Longwood. Yeah, I mean, um, how can you not? I mean, who doesn't love a little Longwood? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, personally, myself, but uh, they're uh, <laughs> everyone. I would say they're uh, they're currently down by thirty two with yep. fifteen minutes to go in the second half. Who's down by thirty so, two? Longwood. Oh, you've got them winning. <laughs> so they're down by thirty two. And Chattanooga is right. another team that you've got. Yeah, going. you got to watch them. Marquette, yep. I got going to the Sweet Sixteen. Okay, that's a risker. And yeah, against North Carolina, who beat Duke not too long ago. Yeah, so and Coach know, that was probably not a great call. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's such a fun time of year. We'll be following it closely. Uh, if you're in the uh, the bracket that we have online, well, congratulations. If not, then uh, then you know we apologize. We'll be running it every year for the next hundred years. So make sure you're following <laughs> along on Instagram and, and make sure you're, you're children's the, children will run it after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it'll be passed down generation to generation. <laughs> yeah, but no, but make sure you're following along. Like seriously, uh, you know, we give them all for free. We do a nice merch package for the winner. And uh, and it's just it, it's all fun and games. But Nate's coming off a win. He picked Baylor last year to win, and I know he won the uh, the daily intermission pool, so he's feeling pretty good. Feeling pretty good indeed. All right, Nate. Quarter four. Yep. We're moving in NHL NBA talk. We'll just break through. I mean, with the NHL trade deadline right around the corner, it's on Monday in a few days here, and and uh, and there's been a few deals. I mean, Cali Yonkroak is heading to the Calgary Flames, and this one's really exciting. I think for Calgary Flames fans because obviously they acquired Tyler Toffoli. They're on an absolute heater. I mean, it yes. doesn't seem like they lose anymore. They're first place in the Pacific Division, and Cali Yonkroak has a lot of ties to that team name. He does. Uh, I believe he is cousins with Elias Lindholm. Yes. Which is wild. And Jacob Markstrom, they're all from the same hometown as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's, is it Gavel? Uh, it sounds right. Yeah. I think so. That's where Nick Backstrom's from as well. Okay. So, I mean, you got four. Talk about a hockey hub. Yeah. I was going to say, you got yeah. four stud NHLers there from a town of 75,000. I guess you probably wouldn't consider that. A, well, would you consider that a town? I don't know. Uh, what city comes in? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 75. Like, it's got to be drawing the line, right? Certainly. I mean, what is it called? Like, village? Town. Well, village has got can't be any more than three thousand. Well, that's just it. Yeah, village yeah. and then town village. and then like a village. Like now, <laughs> I it's know. like I think is porridge. I live in a village. Yeah, uh, Portland's a village, eh? Yeah, oh, wow. it is. Uh, but uh, but no, so like they said, Cali Onkro, a lot of connections to Calgary. Should be super exciting. They acquire him from Seattle. It's kind of a stud too. Yeah, solid, solid third definitely. liner, man. Like that's a good oh, pickup. Gee, man, the Calgary Flames are looking scarier and scarier. And just like you said, Nate, uh, as we were talking before the episode, I mean, we look at Montreal's run last year, and we look at how how well Carey Price played, and 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 how we can see Jacob Markstrom playing that same role. That's the thing; it's hockey, dude. Like yep. you get a hot goalie. Like Montreal was no squad last year. No, you know, no. Carey Price carried them to the final. I mean, yep. Markstrom, I feel like can do the same. So we'll see what happens with this. But and the and the West doesn't strike me as particularly strong. No, it doesn't. So let's no, see what happens. Outside of like the Colorado, Colorado Avalanche, yeah. I mean, I mean, you've got kind of like Minnesota and Nashville and that central. Kind yeah, of, but I would put, I would love to play in those teams. I would take those teams any day it, of the week. It, exactly. Like yeah. if I'm Cal, I, I would almost argue Calgary is probably the second best team in the West. I wouldn't, wouldn't argue with that. Yeah. Uh, but Ben Sherratt's heading to Florida. So Florida gets a little D depth there. Um, that was, uh, that's some, you know, fresh news. I know he was, um, you know, kind of a, a highlighted free agent in this, in this year's pool. And we also have Thomas Hurdle, who was kind of rumored to be on the block signing long-term in San Jose, eight years at uh, just over 8 million bucks a yeah, year. So 8 million, eight years on the dot. So, I mean, you have to think that uh, San Jose is happy about that. I mean, Thomas Hurdle is kind of an underrated guy. Like he, sure. He's he's an unreal player, and, and I know San Jose fans should be happy about that. But, was it his uh, rookie year? He came in and scored four and had the through the legs around Martin Through the legs, Biron. it was so disgusting. And Biron just retired. Yeah, so that's it. <laughs> Straight up. That's that's enough for me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> These guys are getting too good. Um, but uh, but no, not, we uh, should mention, Nate, we've got uh, Pete Blackburn joining us Monday. Yeah. Um, you know, Bally Sports representative, hockey analyst. Uh, he's just a, you know, a, a great follow on Twitter. Twitter. Oh, um, hilarious. And, uh, and yeah, we're going to be talking trade deadline. We're going to be seeing, uh, you know, what makes sense for a lot of these teams to be making moves. And I'm sure after we record, most of the moves will go down, but it'll be fun to listen to our predictions and, yep. um, you know, what we think the needs and wants are. Well, the, a lot of the, the episode two will come out in the morning beforehand. So I think a lot of people will get the, uh, the guesses before. So no, that's absolutely be good. That's absolutely right. So yeah, yeah we're excited to have people Blackburn on uh, for you guys Monday. And, uh, and Nate, we're going to move into the NBA to finish off quarter, uh, quarter four. Yep. Quarter core. I even said quarter, quarter four. Quarter core. 
uh, and the Raptors, man, the Raptors are a Canadian team. are on an absolute heater. Uh, they're two and zero in uh, in LA. They beat the Clippers and Lakers. Um, I think they've won five in a row now. And uh, and I wanted to talk to you Nate, about. You know, last season obviously was a tough one for the Raptors. They couldn't play at home, you know, due to the COVID restrictions, and, and they played in Florida all season. They didn't have a great year at all. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of their players were injured. A lot of their players didn't play well, and then they ended up getting the fourth pick, and they ended up taking Scotty Barnes. Do you think, in the grand scheme of things, moving forward, you think it was worth it? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's it, it's a tough thing to like kind of like tell the fans. I think is the hardest thing because for like sure. as a fan, you're like, all right, well, like what's the plan here? We're just gonna like tank a season. Yep. And it's like, well. You never know who you're going to end up with, though. For sure. You know what I mean? Like, the obviously, the draft is a huge, well, the biggest part of becoming good. So. No, exactly. No, you're, you're completely right. And I mean, even like Jalen Suggs as well was supposed to go number four. They ended up taking Scotty Barnes, which right. surprised a few people. But he's, you know, arguably been the rookie of the year. And uh, I mean, honestly, the, the poise and maturity that he's shown in his rookie season is, is, is unbelievable. And the Raptors have certainly picked a good one. He's going to be a franchise player. Uh, which is certainly exciting for the Toronto Raptors and, and moving forward with Siakam and Van Fleet and, and OG. I mean, they've got a nice core there. And, you know, if they can continue to build, I think they should be a competitive team in the East. And and um, and I think the, the write-off of last season, it's going to pay dividends, man. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's going to be tough for them this year to really do anything in the playoffs, I feel yep. like, just because, like, even if you end up, what I believe they're sitting in, what, like seventh right now? Yeah. So yeah. it's like you get in that play-in game, that's just kind of that extra stuff yeah also what's up with the playing games like you don't get credit for like the points like they don't count for regular season and they don't count for playoffs yeah like, okay. you know what i mean it's yeah, like, well, yeah. what are you, yeah so like what is no this? man's land it's just yeah. like pretend should be playoffs, game? in my opinion 100 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're gonna play it like anyway it's just weird but yeah so like those points and those they just stats, don't count for anything that's a mistake it's weird. Um, yeah, it is. But uh, I did want to talk and move into the the Brooklyn Nets and 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 just to kind of you know begin our, our Brooklyn Nets talk. Uh, ben Simmons, he's dealing with some spinal issues. They're hoping he's going to get some time in before the end of the year. But this is a guy who's taken off the entire season. So, so Brooklyn Nets fans who you know are confident they're going to maybe go on a little run here. I mean. This guy hasn't played, so it's it's going to be difficult. But I did want to talk about Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving is coming off a sixty point performance. He hit forty one points in the first half against the Orlando Magic. I mean, he was getting standing ovation in Orlando. It was an amazing, uh, you know, amazing performance by Kyrie. But I feel kind of bad for Steve Nash. I don't feel bad for Steve Nash. I'm actually kind of questioning his tactics by sitting Kyrie with almost the entire fourth quarter left. He's got sixty one. I mean, you've got a chance. To yeah, put making, this guy in the record book. Exactly. I mean, yeah. what are the, like what are some of the records? I know you got Wilt with a hundred. Yeah, Colby uh, with eighty one versus yeah, the Raptors. I think Wilt had eighty six as well. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's yeah, he's right there. I mean, playing for the fourth, he can just hit a few, and you're yeah, right there. Exactly. And I, I think but, he would have done it. And I don't know if you're if you're worried about injury. It's like, well, the guy sits every home game. Exactly. So he's getting he's all getting the, his rest management or load management. Load management yeah. every, every which way you look at it. So. I mean, I, I was happy for Kyrie. And as much as we we shit on him, Nate, over here at the Denver Mission, as much as we question some of his ideologies and some of his, you know, I guess just I mean, the kind of the way he carries himself. Ben Simmons has taken most of the brunt of that for the last for few sure. months. So. Kyrie, man, he was he was so tremendous in his in his interview afterwards. He honestly is a poised individual, and he he does have a lot of great character. And uh, and I'm happy to see Kyrie go off yep. and, and get the ovation he did. I mean, I'm assuming a lot of the ovation was due to the fact that. There's a little bit of correlation between Florida and the vaccination beliefs, but I, we're not going to dive too much into that, Nate. Yeah. Uh, another thing, too, is, so Kyrie can't play at home, but he can sit front row on the bench with no mask. Is that not a little weird? I don't know. And, like, LeBron came out, too, and he had the tweet. He's like, you know, this is this is facts. Like, yeah. what's going on? Yeah, and yeah. It's like, you know, you couldn't be – I, I don't know. I don't get it. I haven't got it. I don't understand any of it. For the longest, for about a year now, I don't understand it. Yeah, it's nothing I, makes sense. I guess it's law in the private sector in New York. I, I'm not really sure what's going on, and, um, but it's certainly not science at this point. You know, it's almost like Kyrie's oh, kind thing. of laughing at society by saying, "Exactly, he's like, all right, mean? I'll come sit down here." And yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, I kind of like it out of him, honestly. Kyrie's he's a polarizing guy, but no, we're happy to see him score six. You know, uh, Kevin Durant, the, the game before at fifty three, and the team's gonna be dangerous come playoff time, Nate. But twelve games left in the regular season, of the NBA. So we've got playoffs just around the corner. We'll be previewing yep. the playoffs. We'll talk about who we like, who we're betting on. And uh, and we'll be breaking down further into the NBA, yeah. Uh, you know, moving forward. But uh, but Nate, that'll conclude quarter four, of season two of episode twenty four of the Daily Mission podcast. Moving to the post game, Nate, you got a little fire wagon, got a little dog water of the week. 
Yeah, I'm 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 gonna shoot. Uh, I'm trying to think fire wagon off the top of my head here. No, that's fine. I'll, I'll dive into it okay, here. Okay, give her. I mean, we might have the same fire wagon. It's Cam Smith, and obviously we didn't have oh. time this week to talk about the PGA Tour. But Cam Smith wins the Players Championship, biggest purse in the history of golf. Wins 3.8 million. Is he took the week following up out into the tournament to spend with his mom and his sister and his girlfriend who he hasn't seen in two and a half years. Cam Smith goes and wins the Players' Championship in one of the most brutal condition tournament I've ever yeah. seen. I mean, half that draw got screwed by the weather, but Cam Smith grinded it out on Monday, a late Monday finish. Cammy Smith, I know he's your guy, Nate. What a weapon. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to just take it from you. Yeah. I'm going to have to say he's my fire wagon of the week. 100%. One, I picked the guy. Yes, I mean, exactly. It's another one. Throw it at Winners. the wall till it sticks. 100%. Him and Sungjae, but, yeah. you know, we got it done. Another thing is, too, is the story that came out with him um, where he invited all the caddies over. Did you 100%. Know about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all he invited all 30 the caddies 30 over. 30 caddies yeah. over to his house. They just got wasted yeah, yeah, after yeah. he won. Yeah. 3.8 mil. It's like, boys, whatever you want. Let's go. Beauty. Absolute weapon. Beauty. My dog water of the week, Nate, is the guy by the name of Russell Westbrook. He might be my dog water of the year, to be completely honest. Okay. The Lakers ship out so much of their depth, so much of their team to to acquire this guy. He's shooting 9% from three-point, I think, in the last month or two or since the All-Star break. I mean, the guy's just been an absolute plug. He's not gelling at all in New York or in uh, L.A., I apologize. And, I mean, Russell Westbrook, it's just, uh, it, it's been it's been tough to watch. So, my dog water Nate is Russell Westbrook. Okay. You know, I like it. I like the dog water of the year cheeser as well. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, well, I'm going to go... Um, this is a guy I had. I don't think I had him as fire wagon, but I mean, the guy's been a fire wagon lately. Yep. Uh, mine is going to be for dog water is Austin Matthews. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's cross checking Rasmus Dahlin directly in the face. Yeah. We didn't talk about that too. That was pretty bad. It was, it was pretty messed up, man. Yeah, like you can't be doing that stuff. No. And now this is another one where I'm torn on where last week I was torn with like, is it Ben Simmons or is it the fans kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And this is kind of also with the Leafs fans. Like, I saw a lot of people saying, like, this guy shouldn't be suspended. Like, obviously, like, Leafs homers. It's like, dude, you cannot cross-check a man in the face like that. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I just always revert back to it, and I know it's, like, probably a little bit of a Washington bias. Yeah. But it's like, if Tom Wilson did that... Or Brad Marchand. Exactly, right? Like, you've got it right on your... We're talking 10, 15 games. Without a doubt. crazy. Exactly. And Matthews gets two. Yeah. I mean, I don't... I thought it was fair. I thought it was fair. Sure, I think it's fair just because of the fact he hasn't been suspended before. He's taken 60 minutes of penalties in his six years. Just just to touch on that, too, I heard an outrageous stat the other day about... um, when I was listening to a Carolina game yeah, and this is Jacob Slavin. Okay. So like, obviously he's like stud defensively. Yeah. 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 That dude last year took one minor penalty, <laughs> one minor penalty playing against the team's best, like, Oh yeah. Shut down. Top one minutes. minor penalty. You know what it was? What? Delay a game. No. This is one way. penalty last year. What a stud. Ridiculous. They're, they're going to be a unit and they're rolling into Toronto tonight. Um, and they've got uh, the the shutout king. I forget his name right now. But, oh, uh, uh, Eric Walgren um, or Walkren or something. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, was yeah. waiting to. I forgot <laughs> I to. We didn't get like we didn't really get into the NHL too exactly, much. But yeah. I was waiting for like. Well, I'm surprised this guy hasn't been crowned Curtis Joseph 2.0. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I saw that out. Garrett Sparks also started out his Toronto career with a shutout as well. So we'll. Well, well that could go horribly then yeah, for all Eric. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, listen. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back on Monday, like we said, with Pete Blackburn talking NHL free agency. Uh, you know, we we seriously appreciate all of your support across all platforms. Hey, it's rock and roll, dude. Go.